We continue our series on work and wealth and talking about specifically today a job. What is work? What does it mean to work for the Lord? And how do we find that perfect job that we're looking for? This sermon was originally recorded at Castle Rock Middle School, October 13th, 2013. Today, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Uh, so we're, we're continuing in our sermon series, which is talking about work and wealth, primarily from the book of Proverbs. I know that's a dark slide. It's kind of hard with the sun beating down on it. Uh, work and wealth in the book of Proverbs, we're going to steal a little bit from uh, Solomon's other words in Ecclesiastes and then some other parts in the New Testament as we start talking about work. Do you know how many hours you're going to work in your lifetime, roughly? About 100,000, which is a lot. So I think it makes some sense. If you're going to find some, the scripture, we're going to even see a passage that says, seek counsel. Makes some sense to seek and listen to some of the wisest people who have ever lived when it comes to your 100,000 hours of effort and work that you're going to do. And uh, so that's what we're going to be doing today. As we get into it, though, what do you think is the holiest job? I really laid the groundwork so you say the wrong answer. So that was my effort today. We had the hymn of the day, which was talking about God uh, providing true servants for his church. Uh, we even, the Wells Connection worked out perfectly for the wrong answer. So what, when you think of what's the holiest job, what do you think of? You're supposed to say in your mind, a pastor, right? This is what you're supposed to be saying, like in your mind. And now maybe you, with reluctance, maybe you thought of some other holier job, or maybe you're supposed to like sell all your stuff and go to Calcutta and work and help the poor like uh, Mother Teresa did or something like that. The Bible doesn't teach this. The Bible does not talk this way. The Bible doesn't have this idea. Now, true, it says like if you look in Timothy Here's a trustworthy saying. This is one that's uh, hard to disprove. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. That's about as far as it goes. So it does say if you want to be a pastor full-time, if you want to be full-time ministry, um, that's a noble thing. However, it does not say that this is like the ultimate job. It just doesn't talk that way in Scripture. And I, I, there's a couple reasons this comes up. I think one is uh, even in your youth groups growing up, did this happen to anyone? Like if you really wanted, if you're serious about God, you had to be full-time in the ministry, you had to become like a full-time teacher. Did that happen to anybody? Yeah, yeah, this is exactly what happens. There's this idea like if you really are serious about God, this is what you want to do. Full-time, you've got to serve the Lord and that's what you want to do. Well, it, it, and if you're not doing that, there's kind of this kind of idea that spooks around that says like you're now on like the Canadian Football League of Christianity. If you're not like serving God full-time, I've even run into people who are talking about retirement. They're like, I can't wait till I'm retired because then I can serve the Lord. Well, that's not quite how the Bible talks about it. It's just not. And I think some of this reason, remember we talked about, I laid some groundwork last week about this idea that spiritual things are better than physical things. There's people who taught that. Well, the problem is when you get that idea it makes some sense that say, you know, I'm not going to eat good food. I'm not going to drink good drink. I'm not going to get married. I'm going to just dedicate my life to the church. And this is like the most holy, wonderful thing that you can do. Again, the Bible does not talk about that. So what we're going to do as we talk about work today is we're going to talk about four myths when it talks about work. So that's what we're going to be doing. This is ultimately talking about vocation. First myth is this. Uh, work is only what I get paid to do. That's myth number one. The Bible does not teach that the things that you, when we start talking about work, it's not just the things you do. If you're, how many of you are students? That's your job. That's your job, and you shouldn't feel guilty. When the Bible starts talking about work, 
and we're going to talk this week and then next week about how to go about your job. That's your job. Even if you don't get paid to do it, and well, maybe you get paid to do it if you go to Ohio State or Oklahoma State, according to Sports Illustrated, or even a few other places, but you shouldn't get paid to go to school. That's not how it really functions, so you're not paid to do it, but what do you do? You do that the best you can. Um, how many are stay-at-home moms? Isn't it, how many have, have you had the awkward conversation when you meet someone, they're like, what's your job? And you're like, oh, I stay at home with the kids. They're like, oh, you don't have a job. I, I bet you have to just like take a smoke break and you're just like, just give me. I, I, and I want to say my wife is too kind, but I, if that was me, I would just go off and say, I don't have a job 24-7 on call all the time. I mean, what happens when firefighters work 24 hours? They get two days off. Does that work for moms? They're like 25 hours hits. They're like, done. See you in two days. No, like they work all the time and they don't even get to grow cool mustaches or drive cool red trucks. So, I mean, this is like a difficult deal. But for moms, if you stay at home, that's your job, right? God has given you this particular thing and he's saying, go about your work and work diligently at what you do. Even little kids, I tried to explain it to the kids. That's all I can say with my kids' lessons. I, I try. But what are they saying? For a little kid, uh, Maybe they're not even in school yet, but your job for a little kid is just being a good son, being a good daughter, listening to your parents, doing your chores, even if you don't even get an allowance. That is your job. Once in a while, not too often, I run into someone or this idea that says, my job, it's usually a, a sitcom comedy line that kind of goes along with it, that a man thinks in his head, my job is just what I get paid for. So I work, I get her done during the day, and then I come home and I can sit on the couch I'm not going to invest in my kids. I'm not going to help my wife out. I'm not going to help do anything else because my work is done. That is not how the Bible talks about it. So that's myth number one. You're like, you didn't even show a Bible passage. You're right. Okay, so let's go to myth number two where we do have Bible passages. Even by a comment I heard at the beginning of the sermon, work is a necessary evil. How many of you feel that way? You're like... I already put myth number two, work is a necessary evil. So now you're really, you can raise your hand. This is, this is an environment where we share free thoughts and we share thoughts freely. I'm just going to tell you you're wrong. So you feel free. I mean, you can, you can say. There's this idea that says, wouldn't it be awesome if we only had to work like one day a week? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, don't you have this idea? Wouldn't it be awesome if we were born in Europe? Like in France, I think they work one day a week. I think that's how it functions. You go there, the museums are always closed. Everything's always closed. It's closed in the afternoon. Somehow they can have beer at lunch at two. I don't know how this functions, but this is how they can do it. And you think that would be awesome. The most work country in the whole world, you know what it is? It's not all about you. For the, I was thinking America, right? And then I look and then we're like number seven. Number one is Mexico. Average hours in Mexico is 44 hours a week. That's average across the board for people who are working. That's a lot. So we have this idea. If we could just get like six figures, work once a week, and then life would be good. That's not how God built you. Do you know that? That's not how God made you to function. God lays this out, and this is anecdotal to some degree, but he lays it out for the Israelites. How long does God expect the Israelites to work out of seven days? Six. So you are on bonus time if you get a weekend, right? You're working bonus time. God says, I want you to work six days and then have one day off. Why do you think that one day feels so awesome? Why do you think the weekend feels so awesome? Because you work. Have you ever had a job that is so mindless and so low, uh, not much effort when the weekend comes? It's not even exciting. You're like, great, the weekend's here. If you've got a job where you are working 
and you get a day off, you're like, this is the greatest day ever. How many of you like do exercise intervals? This is going to sound a little odd. Yeah, you do exercise intervals. If you do them, say you do like a four-minute interval and then four minutes off. So you work, 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 and you're sweating, and you're dying, and you can hardly breathe, and you have that four minutes off. That is the greatest four minutes of all time. How many of you just walking, though, are walking, and you just take a break for four minutes, you're like, this is so great. It does not happen, but if you're sprinting from a bear, and you get done with four minutes, the bear has somehow went, you know, went and um, eaten your slower friend that you tripped, you know, that you, and you're like, wow, that break is going to feel Fantastic. And I think God understands that, right? If you get a job and you function and you work and you put in effort, then your break feels fantastic. If you have this idea that I'm just going to work one day, it's really not a biblical idea as much as it sounds like it would be cool. Here's how Solomon says it in Ecclesiastes. So I saw there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? Solomon simply says, enjoy the work that you do. Find value in the work. God has made, God's a worker, and God has made you to be a worker. He says it this way in Thessalonians. This is Paul. And make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we are told. You're function, you're made to function, and you're made to function to work, and that's where you're going to find your greatest joy. Outside of that, it might sound awesome. It's just not going to be as awesome as you think. Myth number three, there are Christian jobs and non-Christian jobs. Who believes that? Once in a while, I'll run into someone and they're like, hey, pastor, you know, I just got to find a good Christian job. Now, there is some truth to that, right? Are there non-Christian jobs available on the planet? How many of you watch Breaking Bad? I've not seen it, so if, if you start giving me some of these, uh, maybe we'll stop the illustration right here. But it's supposed to be a fascinating show. Every time I go home for the summer, I run into my brother-in-law, and he's like, hey, have you seen Breaking Bad? I'm like, no, I have not seen Breaking Bad. And now some of you who are not culturally up to it or don't have cool brother-in-laws, uh, I'll explain it. So Breaking Bad is a science teacher, I'm guessing a chemistry teacher, does this sound right, who has cancer, and he is unable to supply or support his family, so he comes up with this idea I think I'll just make the purest methamphetamine available and I'll become a meth dealer and then I'll be able to provide for my family. It just finished up, I think, this last season. I don't know, it was four or five years. And I'm guessing it does not turn out awesome. That's my guess. That's my guess, just looking at the world of methamphetamine. So can you be a Christian meth dealer? Even if you give half of it to the church, no. Three quarters, no, 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 no. You cannot be a Christian meth dealer. I ran, I'll give you another story, which is going to sound totally inappropriate, but I'll, I'll explain it anyway. girl I knew in high school, uh, just as an acquaintance, I ran into an Amy. Um, Amy went to school in La Crosse, Wisconsin, so I went to school in New Orleans. We met 14, 15. Uh, we're at a bar, and I run into this girl again. I'm like, oh, this is fascinating. So I'm like, hey, how are you? Things are great. And you're like, what are you up to? This is like normal conversation, right? Uh, what are you doing? She says, I'm a stripper. And then she says, what are you doing? I'm like, going to school to be a pastor. (laughs) You want to know awkward silence. Like, you guys cannot imagine. Well, then she goes into this thing, which, you know, normally they'd be like, you know, it's really a temporary thing. Things are bad, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. She goes into this thing that justifies it that says, A, I'm saving up for school, and B, I use that time to witness for the 
people, I don't know what it's called, perform for. I, she says, I use that time to witness. I'm thinking, you cannot be a Christian meth dealer. You cannot be a Christian stripper. You cannot be a Christian prostitute. You can't be a Christian hitman. That is not available. As, so some of you might be going like, is there anything else left? <laughs> if you don't play video games, yes, there's other things. Look in scripture. How many other jobs are available? Just from scripture, what kind of jobs do we have in the Bible? Can't think of a one. Carpenter, right? Jesus, of course, is a carpenter. Um, fisherman, or I don't know how, how, what do you call it? It's like a firefighter, a fish. What do you call it if it's a woman also? Fisher-er? Fisher-er. Okay, we got fisher-ers, we've got um, fire, uh, we've got tax collectors, which isn't looked at the most highly. Um, there's money changers, which again isn't looked at the most highly, but they're available jobs. You can uh, be a baker. You can, we see that in scripture. We see a person who's a cupbearer. We see soldiers. We see tons of jobs. And if you're just saying, I want to find something from the Bible, every one of us in this room could find, there's guys who work in finance. There's guys who work for the king. There's guys, there is a gazillion jobs that you could be just in scripture. So are there Christian jobs and are there non-Christian jobs? Well, of course, there are some non-Christian jobs, but mostly that's not how it functions. Um, I bought a rower from a guy down at the Springs at Compassionate International. Has anyone ever heard of it? That's a Christian organization that takes care of kids. Um, I think they have like orphanages and things like that. You would think that's a Christian job, right? And this was a good guy, so that there's not like another story that goes down right where we were before. Um, I've got a job that I would consider, most people would say that's a Christian job, wouldn't you think? But could you do this in a non-Christian way? Some of you are nodding a little too vigorously. Yes, you could. You bring up prostitutes in a sermon. That would be example number one. Right? You could do that. You could work at even Compassion International helping kids and do that in a non-Christian way, which we'll talk about a little bit today, but mostly next week. Um, I'll give you an example. In Germany, now this isn't, uh, this is, um, one of my professors went to Germany, heard this beautiful sermon and this is a state-run church, and he said he went to go talk to the pastor, and he can speak German. So I think he just wanted to mention that he could speak German. So my professor went to talk to him and said, hey, that was fantastic. I liked your law and your gospel. It was beautiful. And the guy, through the course of the conversation, explained, I don't believe any of it. This was his job. So you can do what you consider Christian jobs in a non-Christian way. So where does this shake down to? There's really jobs, and then there's Christians who do their job. That's really how it functions. So as a Christian, and you say, what proof do you, you, as a Christian, you do your job in a Christian way, which we're going to talk about mostly next week. But here's a couple examples from scripture. Whatever your hand finds you to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. He says, you know, whatever you do. So whether, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Colossians, maybe one you haven't heard of. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human hands. So where does this shake down to? You can pretty much do whatever you want. You can pretty much do whatever you want as long as you do it in a Christian way. Hmm. There goes my recruitment speech for uh, becoming a pastor. So now the question is, well, how do I know what I should be doing? Here's myth number, I think we're on four, aren't we? God will tell you what job to do. Do anyone ever that feeling that God is going to just let you know what job you should be doing? And you say, he even said it in the thing, this is where God led me. Um, people will ask me like, oh man, you're a pastor, that's crazy. Like, 
how did you know? How did God tell you that's what you should be doing? I said he didn't. And they're like, what? They're just like heartbroken. They're like, you didn't get like, oh, Jared, you must become a pastor. No, that's not how it worked. I, I said, you know, I'm decent at talking to people. I like people. I love the Lord. This could work out. So I went to school and it seemed to st- they didn't kick me out that you know of. No, no, they didn't kick me out. And uh, I'm actually 52 years old. I went to school. That, no, um, they didn't kick me out. So it's just like this seems to be working. This seems to function. God did not tell me particularly what I want to do. If you're saying like, how do I know if I should be a plumber? Or how do I know if I should be a mechanic? How do I know what I should go to school for? God is not going to tell you. For the sake of kids who are thinking about college and school, raise your hand if you went to college. Now put your hand down if, I should say it this way, leave your hand up if you're still doing what you went to school for. And I went, you guys went to college for crying, participate. (laughs) This isn't like, you're all sinners. No, that's not where this is going. It's okay to raise your hand. All right, if you went to college, keep your hand up if you're still doing what you got your degree in. I'd say about half went down. You can put your hands down if you want. I still am. I'm still doing it. Most people, they're not doing what they want. I'll give you, give you examples. My brother, uh, one brother went into marketing, and then he works in finance. My other brother is a rocket scientist. I think that's pretty awesome. Except then he went into computers. So he was an aeronautical engineer who went into computers, and now he runs uh, a financial planning business, which I think an awesome tagline would be, it's not rocket science, but if it was, I'd still do fine. You know, wouldn't that be great? I don't know if he, he's that arrogant to do it or not. But, you know, culture reinvents itself like every three or four years. The guy who made a mint on A-Tracks, if he didn't have plan B, he's not doing okay now. If you did horse and buggy and that was, your, that was it, you invested everything, we don't have horse and buggies now except like once a year at the candy fair or something like that. You're not going to be doing awesome if this is what your go-to was. The world changes and you have to pick. And God did not tell every person, like my brother, who's a rocket scientist, say, Chadwick, you must become, uh, go into finance, or you must come into computers. Or you might. No. He just looked at what was available, looked at his family situation, and said, this is what I think I should be doing. Wouldn't it be nice, though, if God did tell you what you should do? Who thinks that'd be cool? Like, if you got, like, career counseling with Jesus, and he just said, like, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, you know, I, thanks for taking that test. It looks like you're a golden retriever and an eagle, so we're going to just figure out how this all functions, right? That sounds like a good idea, but think in your mind, just for a second, the people that God asked to do jobs directly. So before you're all pumped saying, I wish God would ask me to do something directly, just think a couple examples in your head. The Apostle Paul. You ever read the Apostle Paul's resume? So he's um, going about his business, persecuting. Jesus says, I want you to go and proclaim to the Gentiles. He's beaten. He's flogged. He's shipwrecked. He's almost killed like 55 times. He has this whole thing. This does not sound good. Uh, A couple other examples. Noah, here is... How did that all get messed up? There we go. I'm going to come back to that one. This is the ark in the Netherlands. How do you think Noah felt as he's just going about his business in the desert and the Lord said, Noah, so God does come to him directly and says, career counseling, this is what I want you to do. I want you to build an ark. And I always think in his head, he said, a park. Lord, I love the kids. I'm, I'm totally willing to build a park. And he says, no, an ark. Awesome. You think he's pumped about that? 
for the next how many years he builds this giant ship in the middle of the desert. When, how many jokes do you think were made about Noah? I mean, this had to be the crazy guy building the ark. I mean, we all have our own cultural crazy guys. Noah, I bet word spread, and they're like, you've got to see this. This is unbelievable. So we've got the Apostle Paul. We've got, uh, or even the, Jesus called directly all the uh, apostles. How many of them made it through without dying? I mean, how many, you should ask it this way. Of the apostles, how many died a natural death? One. And even that's arguable because he had to die in exile. So uh, all of them died. So now we've got the Apostle Paul. We've got Noah. Anybody else that God called? Noah in the burning bush? Uh, not Noah, Noah in the burning bush. Uh, Moses in the burning bush sounds like a sweet deal. He's 80 years old. Just think about this. He is thinking retirement already. He's a shepherd. He's just doing his sheep deal, and he's like, yeah, this is a sweet deal. I'm almost done. He is the one who wrote in the Psalms 70 or 80 years if you have the strength. I mean, he is thinking like, I'm about done. And God comes to him and says, tell you what, Moses, I want you to go to the most powerful man in the whole planet and take away all his slave labor. Jonah. Jonah, he liked his call, right? Jonah's a prophet. He says, I want you to go talk to your mortal enemies and convert them to me. No, uh, he goes the other direction. Jumps off a ship so he doesn't have to do that. So how many of you still want career counseling from God? Anybody, anybody left? It's like, if the Lord comes to me, I'm getting, nah, 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 nah. the only one we have that is, this is why Samuel, if you have a kid named Samuel, you're in good shape. This would be a good thing because he's about the only one when he comes and he says, here am I, Lord, send me, send me. You know, everyone else pretty much has excuses and doesn't want to do it. But almost every other person is asked to do something, something extraordinary where in the end they die. So you can keep praying that way if you want, but ultimately who do we point to when we think about, hopefully this goes to the right thing. You can't hardly see it. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. God calls him, as we talk about jobs and how to do your job in a bit uh, next week, but God calls him, and you can just imagine what this conversation would be like. God calls him and says, you know, I've got a job for you to do. And he says, well, am I going to get hurt? Yeah. Am I going to suffer? Yeah. Am I going to die? Yeah. Humiliated? Yeah. Suffer hell? Mm Mm-hmm. At least, Lord, you could just imagine that God, it, are the people going to appreciate what I've done for them? And to hear the answer that comes back, some. But your death and your resurrection, your job is going to change the world. Your job is going to be hope to not only a room full of people, but a world of people. And your death and resurrection is going to take away all the sin of the planet so that people can ultimately be with me, which was unable to happen without this happening. And what does Jesus say? Not my will, but yours be done. Amen.